Hi, this is Jim Lewis, former New York Yankee, and you're listening to Loki and the Jabroni Show. Are you ready for some great baseball talk? We sure were. Today on the Loki and Jabroni Show, we have the king, Jim Lair. It's two-time World Series champion. Sit down, plug in, and man up. It is one of our favorite episodes of the Loki and Jabroni Show. And a happy Saturday to all you people, even though we are finishing this up on a Friday, and we recorded the interview on a Wednesday night. It's what they don't know that won't that's, hurt them. That's what we do here. We do all kind. Of, we make shit happen because we like to have our guests. And speaking of guests, we had one of the great ones uh, right across the table from me. I'm Jabroni. And I am Loki, and he worked his butt off to get this very nice interview for you guys. And let me tell you what, he uh, he's a very busy man with all his you know all his charities and everything else that he's doing on the side and for him to give us the time that he gave us was spectacular but i will go on podcast record as saying we do have him saying he will be back yes he will and if i have to loop that and send it in his email <laughs> <laughs> daily. Remember when you said this? This is just going to happen, man. Just oh, yeah, happen. I'll come back. Oh, yeah, I'll come back. Oh, yeah, I'll come back. Oh, yeah, I'll come back. Stop the madness. Like that old blues record that my granddad had that skipped. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I remember those. Why those is it skipping? Put a quarter on there. Put a quarter on there. So uh, before we get into our whole awesome baseball goodness uh we always like to start off with these little things that you know happen throughout the week and mine actually just happened before we started recording ah uh, yes my freaking kid uh obviously uh did not get to have his physical in time so instead of letting the child be educated for the rest of the day and being like okay mr smith make sure you take care of this you know blah 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 you know especially being a friday you know they decided to just send him home now come on man that's <laughs> Come on, man! You're gonna you're gonna take education away from a child. This not, first of all, we're, we're lacking in this department as it is, folks. Okay, we are like what? Like I think seventh in the world. Come on, man! Like it's it's bad. So you're gonna take a day of education away from a child to get his, you know, make sure he gets his physical. First of all, I I have the appointment and ain't today. <laughs> obviously not. I'll tell you that right now, you know, so he obviously has to miss today and you know, he's got to make up for whatever he ends up missing. This just goes back to, you know, one of our favorite episodes, the Wussification, and we brought it up on our last, you know, what's fucked up is there's there's just this there's just this this pussyfoot. It's it's like we we are so afraid of putting our our foot down one area and then and just hearing that light little squeak that we look around oh who the fuck do we offend now listen people like 
like we were just saying, we were getting the physicals and the shots in school. Oh, yeah. And, and just like I said, how easy would it be to get a couple people to just say donate some time a week? And in a week's time, you can go through the entire alphabet. And you can make sure that all your child's, you know, it's up to, you want to talk about Obamacare and all this other stuff. Like, we made this shit happen back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. People got greedy. People wanted to make money, and they wanted to put a dollar bill on the price of everything that and, has and on, to do with on health. On top of that. On what, health, people. Oh, yeah, and on top of that, everybody's litigation crazy. Heaven forbid, and let's go back 20, 30 years. Let's go back almost 40 years when we were kids, and you go get those in-school physicals. Or you're one of those kids that... Are from a low income which, woman, and which, have by to get the way, that. was an option. Oh yeah! If you did not want to, you know, obviously partake in that, you could have your own physical and your own doctor take care of you. Mm-hmm. You just obviously brought the information like you do. You now. signed off at the bottom. No, I do not want my child exactly. to have an in school physical. Exactly. Bada bing! You go down and see Doctor Joe at the end of the corner. That's been your kid's doctor exactly. forever. Exactly. But we're, it's also litigation crazy, and especially today. I'm going to go – I'm going to start at the bottom. I'm going to start with the kids. Kid goes in and gets physical, right? Comes home. At, you look at him. Hi, Caleb. How was your uh, physical today? Oh, it was okay. And they did this. And, you know, then they made me turn my head and cough. Oh, well, that sounds standard. Yeah, well, they had to touch my balls when it happened, which is standard. That's what you do, right? Well, nowadays we have this crazy litigation-happy society where, oh, the doctor – Touched did, you in an impure did, place? Did, I'm suing them. Do we forget that we take showers together, people? Mm. Like in sporting events? Like do we have I, – I haven't been, you know, obviously in a high school stall in a long time. But do we have like dividers now? Please tell me we don't have dividers. I'm sure they have a three-minute <laughs> limit know? and every kid runs in three minutes to get out. <laughs> please, please. Oh, God. I mean it's just – like I said, if, if this whole health thing – um. Uh, actually, a couple listeners, you know, we have – are talking about like how sometimes the children fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Um. Some some children that have these, you know, say small disabilities, people kind of throw them on the back burner and they try to put them in things because they don't have, say, the time or the energy or the effort or the people to take care of this stuff. Well, it's because you overtax health so bad. It, dude, tax tax Porsches, all right? I Throw an extra fucking shit on things that people let's do go, not Let's need. go beyond taxes. It has become so pri- – the, the, the insurance industry and the medical industry, yes. instead of being Insur- yes. a yes. public service, is now this private business. And that's in capital letters. It's mm-hmm. a business. And when you look in our area, Hartford Hospital has bought up probably 90% of the local hospitals, including the one down here in Norwich, Bacchus Hospital. I think L&M is the only one that's out of the loop that hasn't been bought out by Hartford mm-hmm. Hospital. Mm-hmm. And it to them, it's a business. I'm going to absorb your hospital. We're going to make all the profits. It's no longer medicine being for the people. It's medicine being for the business. Right. And that's part of the problem. Right. And there's a reason why beyond the private privatization of hospitals beyond the taxing of everything beyond the insurance craze and scam it is a scam it's a huge scam it's like car insurance you buy a forty thousand dollar car it gets wrecked in the first two weeks because you got hit by some asshole who wasn't paying attention the insurance company some asshole without insurance yeah but without insurance exactly and the insurance (laughs) company will only give you 35 grand on your 40 grand car it's two weeks old well it's depreciated how the fuck does my car depreciate in two weeks yeah, you you drove it off the lot. Exactly, man. You haven't even gotten an oil change put on the some, damn thing. Put it's some things all, on your tires, man. Exactly. It's all a scam. I looked at, you know, as much as I joke with Canada as being United States Junior, as being, you know, 
just crazy. They do it right. Healthcare for everybody. They're getting it down. Man. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. They care about the old. They care about the kids. They care about the. So, I mean, obviously, this is something that we can. It's just you know, it, it hit again home. You know, it always it always seems to do that. It's just it's one of those things. You know what I'm saying? Like it's we need to seriously, people. You need to take care of these children that that are falling through the loops. You need to, you know, mental, you know, mental health, or even even if they just have like the, a slight case of say like ADHD or something like that. A lot of these kids are slipping through the cracks and they're just throwing drugs in their fucking systems, mm-hmm. or they're not even getting seen at they're all. They're creating, they're, they're not creating even getting seen at all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then and then we're releasing these poor kids out in there, you know, and it's it's it sucks for them, man. It really. And, does. and I think it was Eddie in one of the one of the episodes we did of you know what's fucked up that they're creating these maladies. Uh, I watched one last night on television, PBA. I don't even know what it stands for, but it had Danny Glover in the commercial. The uncontrollable urge to laugh or cry at a moment's notice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what they called that when we were, reading, when we were a kid? You're over-emotional. Yeah. Get over it. A- acting out. Yeah, you're, you're acting, acting out. out. Now it's PBA or, you know, I, I believe in ADHD. Well, I, guess, I, I see like, it. Like we have said so many mm-hmm. times, everything needs a label now. Yeah. Everything needs a label. I didn't realize until I was in the Army that I was dyslexic. But then I found out, yeah. and you know what? I didn't go get pills. I don't use it as a crutch. I I worked my ass off to make myself smarter to get around, find ways to get around it. I still subvert the letters when I'm writing stuff. I've written my own name, not inverted, but I'll invert two of the letters. It's been my name for forty almost forty three years now. But I I I've inverted yep. the letters a couple times, signing a fucking check. It happens. I have to get around that. It's nothing that I can help, but I'm also not medicated every day of my life and having some doctor shoving these made-up maladies down my throat. Exactly. Oh, you're feeling a little emotional today? Oh, well, you have PBA. No, I don't. I want a PBR is what I want. I want a PB&J. There you go. (laughs) That cures everything. I ain't going to lie to you. So, uh, like I said, you know, uh, that that was one of those things that just kind of pisses me off. It's, It's, you know... The whole the whole medical thing, especially you know, with with kids and with education, don't don't fuck with a child's education. Something something petty like that. Come on, man. Come on. Give give them the come on, the man. Everybody they they want to say we care about our kids' education. We care about this. Heaven forbid some stranger walks into the school, they lock it down. Why? Because they care about the kids. I understand that. But you're gonna send him home because he hasn't had his physical. You're fucking him, not me. Yeah. Exactly. Not you. The school system. No, no, absolutely. You're the the father that has to bring them home and change your entire day around. They don't care. No, exactly. If you had to work today, you've now lost wages. You've now, if they have an attendance point system, you've now incurred a point. If you don't, if you have a boss that is not nice. I'm I'm pretty badass besides... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, there, there you go. So, <laughs> they're, they're all, I'm always there. They don't think of these things, and I'm saying the school system doesn't yes, think of these no, things. No, absolutely, absolutely, I agree. I agree, man. Fucking so, cocksuckers. Anything? Uh, yeah, anything mine's you? a little somber. It's it. You know, hey, God bless you and your son, and you know, hopefully this thing works out. For oh, you. it will. Like I said, he's already, he's already. I already got the appointment. It's Good. Just not today, of course. <laughs> Are they holding him out until? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. and it'll be Monday. I've already got it set up. So, so he'll miss ostensibly a two days, a, day. a day and a half. A day and a half, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's going in early. Salem school system, my ass. That's uh, all of them. It's all <laughs> it of them, is man. all of it them. It doesn't matter. Um, what's on my mind today is a little somber. Uh, a year ago today, uh, the world lost a really good guy, and I wanted to dedicate today's show to him. Uh, former guest Chris Lynch, also known as Strikers Mick Lynch, if you have friended him on Facebook or seen some of the stuff we've done at his house or here, Lost his father last year at the age of 68. What a really great guy Larry was. Um, I loved him like a father. 
I know I have my own father, and I love him to death, but he and I don't get along. I've it's reached actually out. my father's birthday. It is a happy birthday, Daddy yeah. Smith. <laughs> so, it, you know, happiness and sadness all in one. Yeah. Um, really, that's the only thing on my mind today other than this and drinking this gigantical coffee that I bought today. I already had one of those. Did you? Yeah. But, um, you know, my heart goes out when I leave here. I'm going to head to Lynch's house, you know, see if he needs anything, wrap our teeth around a couple brown bottles and uh, talk about the dad. So, Fantastic. Uh, you know. Larry, we love you. I know. I know. Chris thinks about you every day. Today's going to be hard on him, but uh, I'm going to be there for him. That's one, it's one of my best friends, and uh, you can't leave a friend behind. That's what you do. It is what you do. And this is the part where I say thank you so much for downloading this week's episode, and we especially thank you if you've hit the subscribe button to our show. By subscribing to the show, each and every episode is automatically sent to whatever device you use to listen to us. No fuss. No muss. No hassles. No. Or shit. As always, log on to iTunes, search for the show, and leave a review. It not only helps us move up in the ratings, it allows us to bring you more quality on-demand entertainment like today to break into your eardrums and hit an inside-the-park home run every single week. Also, like the Facebook page for the latest updates, video blogs, pictures of Loki holding up my sign from Charlotte Motor Speedway. And anything else that we have to Videos offer. Videos before the interview of the king. That yes. Was, that's that's a really funny. good beer. That was actually funny. How about that comment from our good friend Kira Getz? <laughs> oh, my God. You guys shaved. <laughs> All right. It's coming back. So, uh, listen, before we start, um, you know, Major League Baseball, the other thing I wanted to ask you, uh, being you know, being into your MMAs and, and your stuff like that, because you're pretty heavy on this. Yep. What do you think? Of this, was it Con- Conor McGregor? Conor McGregor. What do you think of this guy? He's pretty badass. He, he's pretty fucking badass, Hell right? Yes. Um, they have a video, and, I, and I'm going to post it. It's, it's, he's just playing. It's okay. funny, though, because a couple times, he, the mountain from, remember, I had the beer right here from yep, the yep. Game of Thrones. That's what I was drinking during the, the, mm-hmm. the gym interview. Um, was actually in a little play fight with him. And Connor got a couple good licks on him, but I'll tell you what, there there was one or two I times think I did see that there was one or two times when the mountain grabbed him, man, and you were like, <laughs> oh, "Dude, shit. I don't care how bad you are, man. This motherfucker gonna crush you right now." He you know gonna, what I'm saying? He gonna tie that him up, is a big up. dude. He he broke a fucking Viking, fucking um, uh, what is it? A uh, old uh, uh, an old world record for carrying a. a like the actual post of like the, a Viking, the old caber toss type right, thing, with the actual post of the ship. Oh, okay. Because you used to have to actually, yeah, the, they used to have to actually carry those to the ship, and yep. then you'd set it up and boom, boom. Well, they would have like you know records to see who which Viking would do it the longest, and he actually beat the fucking record. No shit. And he's an Icelandian. Is he really? Yes. Wow. He's a big dude, dude. He's a big dude. I got. They call him the Mountain. The Mountain. The Mountain. <laughs> I, I, I saw that video. I didn't watch the whole thing. It's. Fucking, I thought it was entertaining. It is. I'll it's be honest. Funny. It's funny, dude. I was like, holy crap, because you know, because Connor's a badass, dude. He re- he's like a little. He's he's a freaking. He gets he gets that one lick in, and you can see he just he just zones. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. He just fucking zones. I'd like to see. Is he same weight class as that um that Brit Page? Oh, I don't know, and I'm. I, I'm I would not love look it up to now. see that, dude. I would love to see freaking Page and freaking and Connor go at it. If they're the same weight class, that'd that be would awesome. be that would be badass. I I do believe that Connor McGregor is in the same weight class as uh, Liam McGeary from Bellator, who's right. defending his title tomorrow night against uh, Patricio Pitbull. I just I just because because Page is the same thing. Page has been knocking people out first rounds too. Yeah, and he's pretty he's pretty flamboyant. So just to see those two kind of go head-to-head would be pretty fucking badass, I think. Michael Page was the first fight 
televised um, when Ange and I went this last time uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, he was just I, – I, I've used that term whirling dervish before, but he would land his punches quick, quick, pat, 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 and then come back and he would play. Yeah. You know, he'd wave yeah. his arms or he'd do a little that dance. That and, and like how Connor, Connor would sit there and say, I'm going to take this bitch out. Well, not bitch. He doesn't yeah. say like that. But I'm going to take this guy out in one round, knockout, guarantee. And then he does it. Yeah. You know – how can you argue with that? Mm-hmm. I, I can point to um, another local boy, Brennan Ward. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen a Brennan Ward fight last longer than two rounds. Yeah. Ever. You're doing it right, man. Mm-hmm. You're doing it right. I don't care what anybody says. But all right. So this is baseball anyways, like I said, because we do have a... You mean I got to stop talking about MMA now? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. We'll go back to another okay, one of those, obviously. We can do it again. But... <laughs> I know Diekman wants to come back. He gave me shit the other night. I fight. know. It's <laughs> awesome. So... We're going to go into the interview, obviously. We have about a 35, 33-minute interview um, that we think you guys will enjoy very much. Um, I take I take the uh, first part of it, and essentially it's where we're bringing him into the past, just in case any of you don't know who he is. You've been I living mean, under a rock for the yeah, last 20 exactly. years. Or if you're 20 years old and just don't have a or, frame of reference. Or if you're like, you know, if you're not an East Coast baseball watcher at all in the last freaking two decades, I mean, let's be honest, whatever. But uh, <laughs> you know, you know, Jim has a very special middle name in Atlanta, and it's the same middle name Bucky Dent has in Boston. In Atlanta, they call him Jim Fucking Larritz because of that big home run in <laughs> yeah. the '96 World Series. Yep, with uh, with his bat twirling. I love that. <laughs> I always loved that. I tried that in, in softball games back in the day, and I ended up just flinging the just bat, hitting, hitting the ump. Oh, sorry, man. Never hit the ump. Uh-huh. I probably hit players on my own team in the on deck circle, though. Yeah, right. So I deserved it. I'll take the uh, beginning part, like I said, <laughs> and it'll be a lot about the past and you know him giving it up. And then uh, Jabroni is going to take the second part. And of real it, quick, and before you get into it, I got to tell you, you know, you say, "Oh, you worked your ass off." This was probably the easiest, most seamless guest to get. Why, it was why, just why quick, make quick, it like quick, quick. I have to because <laughs> I, I don't. Want, I'm not a guy who puts myself on a pedestal in any way, shape, or form. And you're laughing, and it, it was work, but it wasn't. It wasn't like getting Mark Slaughter, which that was publicist this, publicist that. Oh, speaking of which, not to cut you Go off. Go ahead. Um, last is it? No, it's tonight. Skid Row is going to be at the Mohegan Sun. However. It's not Sebastian Bach. No, and it's not even Johnny Solinger. Exactly. He too. It's a, their so, third singer. So what the hell is that? Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Can there's you call it three original Skid members. Not Row? No, it would be Skid Row because much like Van Halen. Skid or, kind of Row? Okay, can't use Van Halen because <laughs> Come on, Skid. that's a name. Dude, seriously. Queensryche is a perfect example. Jeff Tate, look, let's be honest. Jeff Tate is the voice, the face for 25 years of Queensryche. Yes. He gets booted. He doesn't own the name. Uh, DeGarmo and, and Rockenfield own the but name. I still now I don't I don't think he he's not Tate. You know what I'm saying? Tate oh, he just, is. He's got his own Queen Queensrÿche ish band. He calls it Operation Mindcrime. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. He's he's done. He's his um, brain is fried. No, oh, this, without question, ego is fried. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's what that's what killed it for me with him a long time ago. Was his fucking ego is just out the door, insane. But it, it's. Sebastian Bach is just, I don't know, it's like the voice. It's that, that you know when he did that freaking high-pitched growl? It's, it was like a little, it was like a, it was like a vicious pit bull. I'm like trying to remember. Chihuahua. I'm trying to remember another big band not named Van Halen because, again, that's the name of the brothers. 
But that was such a classic. That worked. I don't, did. I don't know why because they were two opposites. Like Sa- the only thing Sammy Hagar had that you know David Lee Roth did was that high pitch. Yeah, and maturity. You know what I'm saying? Let's be honest. The music was more mature. No, with absolutely. Sammy Hagar. No, that's what I'm saying. That the only thing they had in common was that high pitch. Yeah, yeah. Everything else was. Here's Hager, like a complete opposite end mm-hmm. of the spectrum. Like frontman, he just he was more about pointing at his boys like this and and getting them into it. And David Lee Roth's like, here's my cock, fucking look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna swing like the sword shit. and do the Ooh. the ribbon dance and yeah. wear the top hat. And <laughs> what what drug am I fucking by with end, today? By the yeah. end of the show, I'm gonna think <laughs> of a band that changed stingers that were no, that were just as successful. Um, Without, but then again, okay. Now we're gonna look at it because I said just as successful. What by the time Sebastian Bach left Skid Row, they were already on the outs. That was the nineties. It was grunge. Right, right, right. Johnny Solinger comes in. I they just, did. They did two Kiss tours. God, it's my thing. My thing with this is when you break up, just respect the band. I, I, God, I guess it, I guess you can't really say that because. Shit does happen. In some cases, the band is bigger than the man. Absolutely. And in some cases, the right. man is bigger than the band. Right. Bruce right. Dickinson left Iron Maiden. They weren't. They didn't do as well. He comes <laughs> back. They're selling out seventy thousand seat stadiums. Uh, Ar- Aerosmith loses fucking frontman Steven Tyler. If they ever lost Tyler, Aerosmith is just another yeah, exactly. Boston blues band. Yeah. I mean, Joe Perry. No, no. Oh offense. God, no. He he did amazing. His, uh, Joe Perry. Joe Perry project. project. Yeah, it was great, and it was really good. It was. He's got a really good voice. Mm-hmm. He's no fucking Tyler, bro. He's no, and even Tyler did a fucking country uh, album. I gotta admit, man, wasn't bad. It was not bad. So, so Tyler can do that shit. The rest of the band would kind of be like, uh, and and I I feel like Sebastian Bach was just that that front man that that was to Skid Row. I don't know. I guess he doesn't own obviously any of the rights no, to they, it. So they, I believe it's the guitarist and the drummer. Like, well, own. then if that be the case, then yeah, I can't say shit. I, as long as whoever formed it is originally still there. Mm-hmm. I guess if you lose, like, well, look at okay, look at Pink Floyd, who's been around since God was a baby. There's one original guy left, one, and he still carries on the Pink Floyd name. Yeah, but he was one of the. He was one of the founders. founders. Yes, exactly. And people don't blink an eye. But then you look at a band like like you're talking about Skid Row, or I can point to Kiss, where two of the founding members are gone. They, oh, it's just a cover band now. No, it's not. It's a band. No, exactly, exactly. But you got you also have the the two original members that were there from the beginning, mm-hmm. beginning before these two even came right, in. right, exactly are still there. So that's why I'm saying like you can't they they deserve to still have obviously and one of the, the greatest Kiss analogies and, I've heard. In, 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 in that reference of these bands that are iconic, like a Pink Floyd, like a Skid Row, like yeah. Kiss, is – so you remember Adam West playing Batman. Well, now Christian Bale's playing Batman. It's yes. still Batman. Yes, yes, Well, yes. why is it any different if Tommy Thayer's playing guitar for Kiss or if Tom, uh, Ace Frehley's playing guitar for Kiss? Why does it matter if Sebastian Bach's singing for Skid Row or – Prior to that, Johnny Salinger. Why does it make any difference if Jim Laird is the catcher for the Yankees or Jorge Posada is the catcher? It's still the Yankees. Yeah. People have to get over this cling that they have to the past, and that divided a lot of different band camps. Van right. Halen being one of them, there's is a very, very deep divide between the Roth fans and the Hager fans. Right, and I right. think Gary Shaw has three fans. I agree. <laughs> As as a member of Van Halen, Gary Schoen was great and extreme, but as a member of Van Halen, I think <laughs> they sold four albums. Horrible, dude. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, listen. They had one great song and an album full of filler. Listen, listen. 
when when Extreme came out, they came out at the perfect time. I want people to understand he is not and and I will get him on the show and I will tell him this. You are not that good, buddy. Seriously. You are you are a great karaoke singer at best. I have people that come into my freaking bar and they pull out extreme more than words and they hit that shit and I'm like, "How?" Okay, but if you want to pigeonhole it, <laughs> have him do Kid Ego, have him do Decadence Dance. That's where that's where the, he makes his money as a singer. I went and saw I, Extreme at Mohegan Sun Arena for their 25th anniversary. They were fantastic, and he still got the pipe. I'm not like more than words was the part where I went, "Oh shit, I need a beer." No, because I agree. It's 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 but pap. Unfortunately, anybody can do it. That's yeah, but that's that's the thing is like that's what they're you know it's just like fucking uh, Creed you know it's yeah like higher. Hires the beer song, but yep. everybody wants to fucking hear it, except for the people that are right. going to get the fucking beer. You if know you're if you're the hardcore guy like me who likes some of the deeper stuff, if I went and saw Creed, I want to hear My Own Prison. The My Own Prison's badass, mm-hmm. dude. Or they, one, you know, it one exactly. There's they are there's very few songs that you can be like, wow, that's a fucking you know that's a that's a jam right there. But um, I just you know <laughs> my thing before we get really really caught up into it. <laughs> You know, is we're rambling. You, you did no. You did you did your job as far as you know following up and and this is a really this was a really great interview. I think we had a really good time with him. I think we uh, and know. I have to give I have to give a lot of credit to Jim Laritz before we even get started because I I had, I had a hookup again. He doesn't want to be mentioned. You, you know who you are. You know you're listening. And I emailed him. I friended him on Facebook. I said, Hey Jim, got this podcast. Want to come on? It took an hour. Sure, I'd love to. Okay, great. We stayed in contact. Find a day. We found a day. Unfortunately, we got a little cut for time. We wanted an hour. He was busy. He's down in Tampa right now doing Yankees fantasy camp, where if you don't know what that is, middle-aged guys like us go put on the Yankee pinstripes and hit balls around and act like major leaguers for a week. Yeah. And they come back. A good friend of mine, Chris Ferrasi, goes down and does it every year. And Chris is a Norwich police officer. I believe he just knocked on 50's door last year. Yeah. He still does it, and he has fun. And I see his pictures, and he's always smiling. He's having a great time. That's what you do, man. Exactly. That's, that's what so you... Jim found time between the actual day camp that they do, going around hitting balls. You meet some of the current major leaguers, former major leaguers. Got off the bus, showered, called us, and then he was off to, I believe it was a 6.30 uh, dinner engagement that him and his wife had. So he gave us what he could, and we were thankful for it. So I had fun. You had fun. Hopefully you guys listening have fun. Share it with your friends. Cause, uh, and, and listen, like I, like, I mean, I'm a huge Boston fan, and he played with us, what? Three, One year. Three months. Let's be honest. Give three, or take. Three months. <laughs> On field time? We, got, we had a... Uh, we had a trade to get him over, and then we ended up trading him over to um, was it the Dodgers at that time. No, he ended with the Dodgers. I think he went so, to no, Padres. It was right the Padres after. Yep. right after. Yes, yes, yes. We ended up trading him right to the. So I think we had like three months on there, but just a really cool, like a class act. Just just Absolutely. what he does for you know for his charities and for what he's even doing. Like last, uh, you know, what he did before that. I mean, he was at the, the camp and then he's going to a friggin' benefit dinner mm-hmm. right after that. So he's, he's doing his camp, does the interview with us and then goes out to this benefit dinner. Like, that's awesome. And, uh, speaking of not, um, you know, not wanting to be heard, mm-hmm. 
like he said about Steinbrenner, that was some really cool things oh, to yeah. hear. You know what I'm saying? That was some, you know, because he was around him, you know, mm-hmm. so to get some of the information that he had was really awesome. To expand on the Steinbrenner point, I remember when he died, um, King, I don't. I don't like a lot of the New York sports radio because they're more into themselves than they are the sports. Mm-hmm. Mike Francesa can they're kiss bigger. my ass. They're bigger. They think than they're the bigger. Yankees yeah. right now. They they really do think they're bigger oh, yeah. than the Yankees. But I listened to WEEI out of Boston the day I'm driving. Especially to work. since they called the Mets. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, that's and congratulations, Kansas City. Yes, absolutely. Um, I remember listening to WEEI. The I think Steinbrenner died way way early in the morning. I'm driving to work. It's probably nine o'clock in the morning. Excuse me, and um. They're talking about get a high-ranking person from the Jimmy Fund there, and they would say Steinbrenner would just hand us a check for a half million dollars every year. Sight unseen. Are you doing the Jimmy Fund this week? Well, here I have something for you. And he hands it off. Oh, thanks. We'll put this. No, you're not putting this anywhere. I don't want my name to be heard. Fast forward a couple years. The book comes out about Steinbrenner. I I picked it up last two nights ago. I'm sorry. When I left here Mm -hmm. just to reread it, and I went through it in one night, and I'm reading these stories again of how charitable he was. And really a class act, but the public persona of George Steinbrenner was this gruff, rough and tumble, I will step over you to win at all costs. And let's be honest, that's really a good attitude to have. In baseball, fuck yeah. In life. I will do what it takes to get to the top. I can go around you, or if you put up resistance, I can go through you. Don't be a dick about it, but make yourself, make your brand, make your (laughs) organization the best it can be. You could be a stepper or you could be a steppy, man. Exactly. <laughs> you get to pick which end of the shoe you see. Essentially, that's how it works, man. So um, we we really hope that, you know, you guys uh, enjoy this interview. Like I said, we're going we're gonna to go right into it, um, break it down. Uh, like I said, it's about 30, 33 minutes or so. Um, we really hope you guys enjoy it because we really enjoy doing it. And uh, I think it was like, what, like? Five five thirty. Five thirty ish, yeah. Five thirty ish. So, you know, he was he he put in a pretty long. Day I can almost picture point. him getting dressed as he's talking to us for this dinner he's going to do. He's tying his tie, going, "Oh yeah, that home run in '95." Yeah, no, he really that was his favorite. <laughs> and, and it's funny, and it's funny that he brought that up because that was one of the ones that I was going to highlight. But I figured, you know, the one going into the World Series is obviously because oh, yeah. it was the same thing. They were you, you guys were down, and then they came back. You know, what I'm all saying? in the bat so of Jim Larry. Exactly. Let's be honest. Exactly. That's why I said it. You know, would you be offended if I call you Commander Clutch? And he was like, no, not <laughs> no, at all, man. <laughs> that was my job. <laughs> well, that's what he lived for. And that's and it's funny because for that's in itself is a skill to come off the bench and just be hot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? How many people can say that about them? So, you know, just to just to be like sitting on the bench, you know, just sitting at, yeah, what's going on, guys? Yeah, how's that? You know, what's going on? Oh, that's awesome, man. Hey, did you grab me some of them freaking wings? When, oh, you motherfucker. I asked you one thing. You couldn't <laughs> give me no fucking wings. Yo, coach. Yo, coach. I'm getting bored, coach. La, 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 coach. Just, I just see him as the quiet guy sitting, cheering his team on, of course. No, I think, goes, yeah, I think, I think the whole time he's like, say me or yeah, you. Just down in. there. Just, just let me you in. Know, just there, no, he's down there fucking with people because he, he knew. Come the eighth inning, come the ninth inning, they're going to be calling on me. That'll be a great thing to bring up when he comes back. Because what kind of bench guy were you waiting for that call? Yes, yes, you know, were you the quiet guy or were you the boisterous? You know, hey, go team, rah rah, or were you like lighting guys' feet on fire? No, I think he was up in everybody. Was he an own heart prankster? That would be wow. (laughs) I don't see the prankster. I see him just getting up and you know, saying getting people excited and getting people going. I could really see that, and that's what. 
a lot of teams, you know, when, when you have a team that does that, you know what I'm saying? I think that's why with, uh, you know, obviously my, my boy's turning some head now mm-hmm. we're heading into, you know, week eight now. And, yep. um, we're uh, we're five and two. Yep, we're five you and know. two. Exactly. We're doing we're doing pretty good for ourselves. Looking good so far. Looking and good. Uh, Peyton Manning wakes up and actually beats uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers looked like a deer in headlights. Huh? Poor bastard. He had no you know clue that was, was one of those coming. games before Even we... Peyton was like, "Come on, Aaron, turn around, turn I, I, around, I, boy." I, I, lo- I love the the turns and the roads and the rants we take rambling, but you know. Aaron Rodgers just didn't look comfortable, and it, that, was, that was one of those games where it's on That's television. And I say, defense. I just wish they'd beat the snot out of each other, and no one wins. Yes, just so it can erase this stigma of these are the guys. But in that, somebody has to win, and somebody Dude, has to lose. Let me let me let me break it down before we go into this interview. Sure, a quarterback has made the NFL's best defense. Mm-hmm. John Elway has made the best defense. Oh yeah. Like, hands down, dude, that's insane. As much as I dislike John Elway and will always dislike John Elway, and I wish John Elway would get hit by a bus tomorrow and live. I don't want him to die, but him and his big-ass teeth can get hit by a bus tomorrow. The man sees the whole field. He always saw the whole picture. He didn't lose those games. His statue that they have in that circle of heroes, Mm -hmm. doesn't it look like somebody's (laughs) licking the cornholes out of his ass? Seriously, he's like, oh. He looks a little too happy in that statue. (laughs) All right, guys, so I'm going to let Jabroni introduce this fantastic interview. And then I'm going to let Jim Laird tell his part of the story right before we get into the interview. Guys, this was a pleasure to do two-time World Series champion, former Yankee, former Red Sox, Jim Laird. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to have today on the Loki and Jabroni Show two-time former World Series champion Jim Laritz is on the phone. Jim, how are we today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing fantastic. Thank you for taking time out for us. Real quick, before we get started, I've been wanting to know, how did you get the nickname King? Well, it was a combination of uh, being out in the New York City limelight as far as the, the premieres and all the, the hockey games and the you know, all the basketball games, and then also I called a few home runs in a, in a, in a short period of time with Don Mattingly, and uh, when I called one in Baltimore, he, after doing it three times, he said, you know what, you are the king, and that's that's kind of how it stuck. If Don Mattingly gives you a nickname, you Hell keep yeah, it. yeah, you got to keep that. That's awesome. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was Mattingly's story. Excellent. Now, you obviously are uh, more known for being a Yankee. Um, so we were actually talking the other day. There's a certain ambiance, if you will, a certain magic in Yankee Stadium. Can, can you confirm that? Can you say that you've actually felt it, you know, like run through you? Oh, on the old stadium, yeah. I mean, you know, we already talked about the, the, the crazy things that would happen in the stadium. And that was just kind of signs that you know, we were going we were going we to win or something good was going to happen. And, you know, we always talked about that being the ghost of, you know, of the Yankee past, and uh, you know, it, it, it seemed to, to hold true in a lot of different different uh, situations. You know, that uh, during the, especially during the playoffs, that you would just kind of go, okay, that should never have happened. You know, the Jeffrey Mayer, the all the <laughs> yeah. different things that happened. You know, just just happened to you know to, to work to our favor, and you, know, you always say that we always we always kid around that the, the Yankee guys are looking out for us. So at the end of the day, Kurt Schilling was mistaken. Mystique and Aura do exist. Exactly. exactly. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> All right. So um, 
obviously, when you went out to uh, Padres there, um, you ended up coming back to Yankee Stadium. And you are one of the very few Yankees to get a standing ovation coming back to that. And one of the reason beings for that is because of the home run that you hit, obviously, in Game 4 against the Braves. You tied it up at 6. Can you just run that through for our listeners real quick, just so that way they just get a little feel? I mean, because everybody that's ever held a bat dreams of doing what you've done. I mean, essentially, and this isn't the first time, but this is one of the ones that obviously Yankee, you know, gives you the standing ovation in another uniform for. Well, yeah, I think the biggest thing that, you know, uh, that that home run uh, did was, you know, I enjoyed it, but not as much as I probably should have until we won the game and won the World Series because, you know, I hit the big one in 95. It was a walk-off from Yankee Stadium. And to me, still my greatest home run ever because it was a walk-off 15 inning that I had caught against the Seattle Mariners who we could not stand that either. Right. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and uh, unfortunately we ended up losing three straight and that home run became kind of a footnote. Right. Um, You are right about that. That was a clutch freaking home run. Absolutely. Yeah, and so coming back to '96, you know, uh, I remember being in the dugout. You know, we were down six to nothing. We staged a little comeback, and we're six three. And then, you know, Tino Martinez and Paul O'Neill struck out and the inning, and we kind of felt like, okay, that was our chance. And now they've got Mark Wallers, and we're in trouble. You know, because at that time, Mark Wallers was their Mariano Rivera. Yeah, right, you know? right. And uh, so we didn't, you know, we didn't think that we had too much of a chance and sure enough, you know, I ended up hitting the home run off here to tie it up. And even though I was elated, all I could think about running the bases was if we don't win this game, that foot that becomes a footnote again. And uh we ended up winning the game on a walk by Wade Boggs. We went on to sleeping for the next three games and uh you know, you know to me though, my next game Catching Andy Pettit, that one nothing game was my best performance because I had a you know huge role in calling that game, and uh, to me, like I said, that that was uh, just as big a game as that as, as that hitting the home run the night before. And you you are actually Andy Pettit's personal catcher for those that don't know that. Like he he preferred you over any other catcher. Is there like uh, yeah. obviously there's yeah. a certain bond there? What 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 caused that bond? Well, you know what? It was, I don't know if it was so much a bond as it was he had, you know, in 1995, he, he had some issues with Mike Stanley. They weren't on the same page. Right. And I think he was two and three at the time with Mike Stanley. And then I started catching him and we went nine and three together, uh, to finish the season. And that, you know, Buck just saw that we, there was something that clicked with him and I. And so next, the next year when Joe Torrey took over, uh, you know, Mel Stoudemire had talked about, you know, you know, this has been a good combination and, you know, this way later can get more bats. And, you know, so we ended up carrying it over through 96. And of course, that was the year Andy went 21 at seven. Right, right, right. And, uh, and then of course had the great game, game five in the, in the World Series. And so that, that, that bond worked pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say that, that that bond was pretty damn fantastic, actually. As a, as a Yankee fan myself, <laughs> I have to tell you that sitting watching some of those games during that phenomenal 96 season, it was amazing to watch Andy Pettit work around that plate and be just as masterful throwing. And obviously you have a big role in that, Jim, calling those pitches for him. Yeah. How often does he shake you off and do do what he wants to do in that season? Well, you know, that became a running joke between him and I because I kept telling him, 
you know, he had so much confidence in all four pitches that he had, which was part of his success. At the same time, you know, I used to walk out to the monitor in the seventh inning and say, Andy, you know, just shake once or twice because that way people are still thinking you're thinking. Um, <laughs> you know, he, uh, you know, he, he, he was just, you know, like I said, he was, he was great to work with because he did have that confidence. He, he wanted to be perfect, which sometimes worked against him. At the same time, I think that my not going by the book as far as, you know, every, every single time, he really liked that because, you know, we were able to, you know, not be predictable. And uh, and that was one of the things I think he liked so much about throwing to me is, you know, I never called one game to the next the same because I knew there were scouts up in the stands charting. Right. right. And and we weren't going to do the same thing twice uh, to be able to get beat. That's that's actually really intelligent for a for a catcher to even be thinking that you know that's that's fantastic. And people, I think I think personally, people give catchers a bad rap because they think all you do is call the pitches and catch the ball. You're actually the field general for the entire pace oh, yeah. of the game out there. Am I close? Well, that's a big yeah. That's a big part of it. But, you know, to me, one of the things that I think I had an advantage over most catchers is I was also I was a hitter first, catcher second. You know, yeah, that helps. and I. I thought more like a hitter, uh, where you know most guys that are catching are not such good hitters, and you know they don't they don't play think that way. They think more along the lines. And I I always went with okay, I know what a hitter is looking for, and if I was the hitter and I know what Andy Pettit has, I'm going to go with you know his strength versus the strength of the hitter. Right, right. And that wasn't normal thinking. You know, that wasn't, you know, I, I would have given the sabermetric people a, a terrible time <laughs> back, back in my day. So, all right, so obviously uh, Chris over here is a, is a huge Yankees fan, which makes me a huge uh, Red Sox fan, which is why we work so well together in this uh, show. I got to tell you, how many people you think you drove crazy with that brat twirl? Oh, I know a lot. I, I know one for sure. I, I know one for sure because uh, he, he told me when he came over to play for us after playing against me in 1990 and came over, and I think he either came over in 91, 92, but Dion James, who came over to play for us, told me that he was on the front step of Cleveland yelling and screaming, who is this kid? Who in the hell is this kid? <laughs> and, you know, doing the bat flip and the shake and everything else. And, and that, came, who taught you the twirl? Well, then when he came to play, when he came to play with me, he was like, okay, I get it now. That's just your, that's your day. <laughs> but I got the bat, I got the bat twirl from Mickey Rivers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I actually heard yep. about that. Wow. That's, so it's yeah, like a tribute yeah. to it. That little, the little bayonet, uh, the hip twist that, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> I used to love watching that. And I know it drove some of my, it drove me insane, I man. Figured it, would. I figured it, it drove would. me insane. <laughs> and I know there's, there's a lot of, Middle-aged guys like myself who go out and play softball who try to do it, and the bat goes flying the other way. So I got, yeah. <laughs> I got, I got to say this for a lot because you know we're 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 stat people here. Um, number one, now you were you were number eighteen and number thirteen because you're number eighteen according to the stat thing. But we got a lot of pictures of you as number thirteen. What do you consider yourself, eighteen or thirteen? Well, and I was number thirteen. I was only number eighteen with the Dodgers. Okay. Because because uh, the number was already taken by one of their relievers that had a lot of a lot of time in the big leagues, 
So I couldn't come and take that number. Perfect. And so I, t- I took number 18 because I was a Bill Russell fan when I was growing up. Oh, nice. Perfect, perfect. So what, what do you think of the quote-unquote man that now uses your number? Well, he knows as well as I do that I did not like him at all. Uh, <laughs> and, and not so much because he was, so, he was such a good player. It was just because of the way he was off the field with representing the Yankees and representing what the Yankees are supposed to be. Right. And um, I, I will tell you this, that, uh, you know, again, him and I, you know, he knows me. Uh, I watched him grow up in Miami, down there where I lived in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, matter of fact, when he was first being drafted by Seattle, we did a couple hitting clinics and things together. So I've known him quite some time. And uh, over the last year and a half since he was suspended, I, I have seen a completely different change in this person. And I'm hoping that it's a permanent change and that he, he realizes the gift that he was given. And not, not so much just a gift, but that being able to wear the pinstripes and represent New York uh, that he didn't do it very well his first time around and that he's doing it much better this time around. And I have to say to that point, as a card-carrying member of the Yankee universe, I've had, and that's with a capital H-A-D, past tense, had a problem with just what you described, Alex Rodriguez carrying himself off the field, not in so much a way that when you think of Yankee legends like Mattingly and Derek Jeter, for that matter, going out and being a pillar of the community, and he didn't exactly live up to that. I had a big problem. After the suspension, I've lightened my stance a little bit, but I'm still in that category of show me more. Well, exactly. It's kind of one of the things that I you – know, him and I have done a couple of things together this year. We did the Camp Fitzgerald Day for 9-11, yes. and we spent some time together. And, you know, we I had talked to him about being humbled, and, you know, I was humbled through my actions and everything that I went through. And, you know, he had been humbled through his experience of being, you know, out of the game for a while. And, you know, and I said, one of the things that I have learned, Alex, that, you know what, we left the baseball legacy. That's already done. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, whatever it is, we left that. But we have an opportunity now over the next 25, 30 years of our life, hopefully more, that you can leave a life legacy. And that will be more lasting than any right. baseball legacy you could possibly leave. And he seemed to get it. And... Again, like I said, some of the things that I've seen him do make me feel that he probably does finally get that and hopefully can continue to do that. That's those, are, those are very good words. Those are very good words. I, w- I wish a lot more people would just listen to those words right, and take that to we heart. Say, we say it here all the time is your name is your brand. Yes. And it takes just a minute to make that all crumble. But like you said, Jim, you have a lifetime to build that back up again. You can make your name mean something good again. Well, yeah, one of the things that I've you know I've learned through the things I've been through is, you know, there's there's certain people that will consider your persona because of what's written in the paper and what's written, you know, in the public. Mm-hmm. And there's there's certain, and then there's some people that really want to know your character. Right. And there's a difference, and there's a difference in the two. And you know, I, I just you know, for me, uh, it's it, it's one of those things that uh, being out of the game as long as I have, knowing the impact that I had. Yeah, for the Yankees and for, you know, that, that last dynasty that was there, that was great. It was something that, you know, that no one can take away from. But what that also has given me is the ability to talk to people and change lives. And, you know, it's, it's something that if you don't use that, 
then you've wasted the gift that God gave you to play the game of baseball and to have the success that you had. Excellent, excellent. Fantastic I was going to say what mo- most people don't even realize is when you were with the Yankees, you actually would bring uh, children from, say, foster homes, and you'd bring them to Yankee Stadium and let them catch a game there. Yeah, we worked with what they called the New Yorkers for Children, which were all kids that were not going to probably be adopted that were the older kids. And they didn't have an opportunity to possibly, but but they wanted to be, to go to a Yankee game or they wanted to get like a big brother, big sister type thing. And my wife and I, at the time, we did that uh, for many kids during that, during the time that we started doing the foundation in 96. And that's huge. That's like you said, that's giving back, giving back to the community as far as being in those pinstripes and representing those pinstripes, like you said. And in a big time area like New York, that is the brightest spotlight of them all in baseball. Oh, yeah. In most sports. Well, and and one of the things you have to understand, too, is all of that was embedded in us through Mr. Steinbrenner. Wow. Um, You know, Mr. Steinbrenner was one of those guys that we knew how generous he was to oh, yeah. foundations and charities and everything else. But a lot of people didn't, and a lot of people didn't know that because he wouldn't let people know that. Right. You know? And, right. but they, and that's one of the things that he taught us was, listen, it's great to do these things for charity. It's great, but it doesn't have to be a television there every single time. It doesn't have to be, you know, the news doesn't have to be there and know about it. If you do, if you do something for somebody and you need more than one person to know about it, then you did it for the wrong reasons. And he really taught a lot of us that, and that's what it meant to be a Yankee. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's I didn't good. know until I read the book on his life that came out a few years ago just how deep he was into charities, and it begged and pleaded, don't put my name out there in the press. I don't want anybody to know I'm doing this, because he was doing it from the heart rather than for the press. Exactly. Well, of course. When he, when he finally passed away, some of these people came forward because his, his rule was, I'll give you a million dollars a year for 10 years, but if one person finds out during that 10 year I'm doing this, then that money won't be there. And then when he finally wow. passed, that's when people were like, you know what? I, I, want to, I don't like what people are saying about him, and I want him, people to know what a great person he really was. That's awesome. Fantastic. So before I pass it on to uh, Chris, I just got one more little to let people know a little bit, a little bit about you, if they don't already know, obviously, um, you have 90 home runs essentially in 903 games, and of that, 387 runs batted in. That's pretty freaking fantastic if you really think about the time. I'm gonna say most of your say home runs, most of your big time plays are in postseasons. So, would you go as to so far to actually say that you would almost be Commander Clutch? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that Buck Showalter always tried to get me to buy into as a young player was that I was more valuable on the bench coming out in late innings than I was starting because he could use me when it was most needed. And he used to tell me all the time, you're my, and he would say this later to me in, in 1999, 2000, when he was gone, he would say, Jimmy, you can see now, I, you were my Mariano Rivera with a bat. Oh, and he wow. said, that's a fantastic that's, analogy. Yep. I mean, he said, so he said very, you know, and I was very, what was unusual was being a young player. Most young players can't just come off the bench and hit. And I was able to do that. And that's why he used me in those types of situations. Yeah. They're very, uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that was, that was kind of when people said, how did you always perform in the clutch in the big moments? 
I said, you know what, because that's what, that's what I was brought up in the big leagues doing. The only way that I was going to play was to get those hits in those situations. Well, right. as a card-carrying member of Yankee Universe, I thank you for that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Some of the most well, amazing you know, I, times I, I, of my thing, life. Exactly. Well, the thing I always tell people is, you know, the home runs were great. The catching of the 80 pet was great. But really, the, the thing that I take pride in now, when you look back at everything, is if I don't hit the home run in 96, and we don't win that World Series, and the Yankees lose like they did in 97, Joe Torrey and all these accolades that these guys got for the dynasty never happens because I'm guaranteeing you George Steinbrenner fires Joe Torrey after losing to the Indians in 97 and we embarrass ourselves in 96 like we did. Oh, man. I yeah. can't think of a world yeah. like that. I just don't want to think about it. But you mentioned the World <laughs> Series. I want to throw a couple questions out there because late Sunday night, the World Series this year closed out, and we all know Kansas City Royals are your 2015 world champions. If you can take me back in your mind to April, who did you see in the World Series this year if it wasn't KC and the Mets? Well, I didn't see the Mets. I don't think anybody, anybody did. As a matter I of fact, agree. I was... One well, listener yeah, we have. One listener picked the Mets to go all the way. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I, I, would have, I would have never guessed it. I would have never thought, especially in July, where... I thought they were going to fire Terry Collins and the whole staff. I agree. And, I agree. You know, and they just caught fire. I thought the Los Angeles Dodgers, yep. I was praying that Don Mattingly would finally get to a World Series. That would have been beautiful. Um, and that would have been nice. But I really thought Kansas City was, was one of the better teams in the league. Um, but when Toronto made the deal that they made, as far as pitching and hitting, I didn't think anybody was going to beat them. And so I can't say that. You know, the one thing that I do love about – Kansas City, Toronto, and Mets is that with this new sabermetric, you know, geniuses, none of these teams go by that stuff. Absolutely you know, the, the Kansas City Royals are swing first pitching in cares. You know, we're not working the count. We're not trying to get rid of that pitcher. We're going to beat that guy and wait till the next guy comes. And I think we you saw know? that in game one with the first pitch inside yeah. the park home run. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, I you know, I, Dave Island and I were teammates, and I know that Dave is a great baseball guy, but he is not going to, even though by watching the game, the seal of the game, what adjustments players make during the game, more so than, you know, on a 3 2 pitch, this guy won't swing at a bit, you know, the, the, the stats and stuff like that. And to me, I, I think those stats are important. I think they help, but at the same time, the game on the field. It, you have to have a feel for it in order to be successful. Yes, yes. Oh. Now, real quick, what do you think, if anything, could the Mets have done differently to extend the series or possibly stave off those amazing Kansas City comebacks that we saw? Well, they had to play better defense. Yeah, better defense was the key. The errors that they made led to, you know, led to them losing the World Series. And, you know, I always, we always used to say, I remember Jared Torrey always used to say, if you give me an extra out, we can beat you because we had a good fundamental team and we had a good, you know, if, when we saw an opening, we jumped on it. And we were, that's why we were, we won when the Yankees won so many titles is because if you gave them an extra out, you were going to pay for it. And that's what the Royals did during, during that series. A lot of people thought they were a fluke last year. I think this year proved that they are the real deal going forward. Well, I think so, and I think, you know, I think watching the Royals last year, I got a very similar feeling watching the Mets this year, that they were sitting in that dugout, they waited, 
they watched the celebration and they realized, okay, we got a taste of this. Next year, we want the title now. And they're going to be just like Kansas City was this, this past year. And it could be, uh, it could be an interesting year next year with the, the New York papers on who's going to be on, on page six or on the back page. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> in your opinion, in that last game, should Harvey have been pulled earlier or should they have left him in to mop up and finish the job? Well, you know what? You can, you can second guess so many things. I would think, I think I, I definitely would have let him go back out to start the inning. But when he walked the first hitter, then I think I would have made the move. Um, at the same time, that's, you know, that's me just watching from an outside point of view. I wasn't in that dugout. I, you know, and it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Grady Little and Pedro. Wow. Um, you know, but not as, not as severe because, I think the, the Grady Little move was, you know, obviously that bad that he even got fired over. I don't think Terry was the same thing. I think, you know, Harvey was dominating that night, and you know he was he wanted the ball, and that's your ace. And Samir, you're already blowing two games, mm-hmm. so I see, I can see why. Uh, at the same time, yeah, you know, after he walked the first hitter. That might have been the only other question I would have said. Did you think about maybe getting him at that point? And that might have changed things. But no, overall, I, I, I just think that, uh, again, they just, you know, the Kansas City Royals were meant to win. Now, Matt Harvey's a local boy to us. He's from two towns over, so it's great to have that presence yeah. in Major League Baseball. And you're right, he was dominant in both games. Unfortunately, he was on the losing end of those two games. How bad is that going to scar his psyche, or do you think he's just going to battle back and be a warrior? Well, you know, he's not the Dark Knight for a reason. I mean, you know, <laughs> he, uh, I, I, I see him as a kid that, you know, a lot of people don't like the bravado that he has, but as someone who played in New York, he needs that to play in New York. And I think that will only work to his advantage and make him want to work even harder and shut people up. And it'll put that much more pressure on him next year to it's me and make sure that he's going out there and being dominant every time out. But the good thing about it is too, I think he'll realize that, you know what, I can go out and have a good year, but unless I pitch good in the postseason, then you know, that, that's where, that's where you're in New York and that's where you earn your money. And I've got to do better. And, and, you know, and, and hopefully my team can help me more than they did and be able to, you know, to get some wins in the postseason. Excellent. Now, as a two time World Series champion yourself, can you describe for our listeners what the celebration felt like for those players late Sunday night? Well, there, you know, for them to do what they did. Uh, and have that, like I said, have that bad taste of the year before. I mean, we had that in '95 because we won those first two games. They hit the home run, and we figured we, you know, that was we were going to send Don Mattingly off to the World Series, and we end up losing three straight. And there was a bitterness in all of us that said, you know what, we got to go out next year and do this, and that's what we did. And to lose the first two games to Atlanta like we did, knowing that we were facing three Cy Youngs you know, three Hall of Famers, uh, to be able to come back. I don't think, even though the Yankees won in 98, 99, and 2000, I think if you were to ask those guys that were on that 96 team, that there was there was no feeling like 96. And I'm sure that's how the Kansas City Royals felt this year, that, you know what, you accomplished something that you had set out from day one, and you got rid of that bitterness that you had the year before. And I think that's, yeah. that was such a great feeling that those guys had. 
Wow, that's incredible. So many good stories like that. 96 Absolutely. Yankees, 2004, you know, Red, Red Sox. Red Sox, unfortunately, I mean, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I say unfortunately, even, even, but for you, that was a monument. Oh, that was it was awesome. And even for Kansas City, I mean, what they're, what they're going through right now, and even for the city itself is, mo- I mean, it's just monumental. Absolutely. That, they deserve it. That city... That city's been through a lot, and to actually have them bring home some champions like that is fantastic. Well, you know what? It, it, yeah, and you have a great feeling for them. It's kind of like even though when we lost to Seattle, you know, we were um, when we lost to Seattle, we we weren't that upset because they they really beat us. We didn't give it away. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and what it did for Seattle, it saved baseball in Seattle. Oh, without question. And, yeah, and and there was there was a kind of a okay, well we lost, but we also helped them accomplish something great because they saved baseball in that city, and you know I think that's how Kansas City was. They've been so bad. I mean to watch George Brett with that reaction and that much joy, you realize that you know this is a guy that sat through seventeen seasons of oh, you know misery, just <laughs> misery, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just I think it's a great thing, and again, it's it's great for a small town team like that to win a World Series um, after after such a long drought. It shows you know what anything can happen in baseball. I love and that, and that's why you know in in, in, an, you know, in a way selfishly, it makes those teams of the last Yankee dynasty even that much more special. Because I don't know if that'll ever be done again. I don't think it can be because when I look back again, being a Yankee that was a, fan that was a forever, tough team. you have that Jeter, a- you have Layritz, you have O'Neill, you have Bernie, you have Jorge, just Mariano. All these names that carried through year after year after year after year. It I, I need a scorecard every beginning of the season without Teixeira. I don't know who the team is until two weeks into the season. Right. Well, the one thing that I do like that happened this year is that they didn't make the trades, that they didn't, you know, mortgage the the, the future. And it kind of reminded me of what we did in 93 when we were kind of on the cusp, but we weren't, we knew we weren't good enough to get much further and that we stayed with the young kids, the Bernie Williams is the, you know, we brought up next year, we brought up the the Andy or the Sterling Hitchcocks and the, the other young kids. And, the good mixture of the young kids and some of the veterans is really what turned the franchise around. And I think that's possibly where Cashman and these guys are right now with the Yankees, that we're almost ready, rid of some of the bad contracts that are out there. And There are a lot of them. Some, yep, and we have some of these young kids coming up that, you know what, the future looks looks pretty good. And I think that's, uh, you know, that, that that's an encouraging thing as a Yankees fan. We're not quite where the Mets are. But we're we're still on the rise, and we're still going to compete in that division. That's a great thing to hear on this side of the table. I think Mike is uh, rubbing his forehead right now <laughs> as a Red Sox fan. I know you're pressed for time. Before I get into Furious 7, I want to ask you, would you like to come back at some point and maybe do a lengthier interview? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Love excellent, to. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm going to get into Furious 7, and when I'm done, Mike has the question we ask to every guest we have on the show. Um, Furious, okay. Furious 7 is, I'm going to ask you a question without even thinking. Pow, need your answer. doesn't have to be lengthy. If you want to make it lengthy, go right ahead. Are you ready, Jim? Okay. Number, I'm ready. Number one, favorite teammate ever? Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly, beautiful answer. Best player you ever took the field with? 
took the field with or against? Either way. Barry Bonds. Wow. Favorite ballpark yeah. or stadium not named Yankee Stadium? Uh, Camden Yards. Very nice. Number four, Don Mattingly. Hall of Fame worthy, yes or no? Uh, unfortunately, borderline, and I, I, I don't think so. Oh, man. I think the same thing, unfortunately, but I'd like to see him in there. Number five, your number one career highlight. Uh, Walk-off, 1995, <laughs> 1995 home run in Yankee Stadium during the playoffs. Beautiful. Number six, one teammate you could have done without. Oh, wow. See, the fact that it didn't come quick to my head, there wasn't really anybody that I disliked. Um, I, you know, it, I would I, – I don't have – no, I can't – I don't have one of those. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Last Take question. It. This one's most important. Number seven, you played for both Boston and New York. Once and for all, settle the argument. Who's better, Red Sox or Yankees? Oh, you know what? Both fans are passionate. Both fans are educated. <laughs> and it's, I, I love playing in both of them, but there's nothing like winning in New York. And when you win in New York, it, like I said, it doesn't get any better than that. No, we, like I said, we, we talked about it last week. We talked about that magic. I was there a few games, and it was just like you could feel it. You felt this breeze come through, and you just looked at your partner next to you in your Red Sox shirt, <laughs> and you're like, we're going to lose this. Oh, shut <laughs> shut up. No, we're not, dude. I'm telling you right now, we're going to fucking lose this. I'm feeling it right now. Oh, you're full of shit, and then we fucking get beat by, Myst- like, you know. <laughs> I don't care what Kurt Schilling says. Mystique and aura do exist at it Yankee does. Stadium. It I'll does. even say this before Mike asks the final question. I actually made the pilgrimage to Fenway Park to see you play for the Red Sox simply because you were a beloved Yankee. And it hurt me just a little bit to see you wear the red and the white that said Red Sox, and it, uh, I'll never get over it. Well, you know what? I was, I was actually I was actually happy to play for the Red Sox only because I had played in Anaheim and played in Texas, and the fans were just not the same. They, they were great fans, right? But there was a you know it, it was one of those things in Anaheim and Texas. If you went over four, it was like okay, Jimmy, get him tomorrow. And I was like, no, 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 no. Tell me I I suck. You're expecting to be on the back page of the post going, what the hell is wrong with Laritz? Exactly. Exactly. And and I enjoyed enjoyed that atmosphere much better. Wow. All right. So before we hang up with you, uh, it's been a great interview, but I do have to ask this one question we ask everybody. Are you ready? Yep. What would you do, sir, for a Klondike bar? I would go skydiving. Wow. wow. Skydiving for a Klondike bar. That's, I think that's a great answer. That's a, one of the most extreme ones we've really got. really is. We'd have to meet you at the bottom with a Klondike bar yeah, for that, Yeah, we sir. ain't going. <laughs> well, Jim, we certainly appreciate your time. We know you're a busy man right now. I'll yeah, be definitely. in touch with you for a future episode. Thank you so much for your insight on baseball. And thank your you new, for uh, everything you did for and- the Yankees. No problem, guys. I appreciate it. Real quick, we're going to make a couple plugs. Uh, Jim does a couple charities, the greatest save being one of them. The other is pinktie.org. You can also check out his book on Amazon and find bookstores everywhere called Catching Heat, the Jim Laritz story. Jim Laritz, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. All right, guys. Great talking to you, and we'll talk to you again. You All got right, it, man. Sir. Have a thank great you. night. All right. Take care now. All right, guys. We hope you really, really enjoyed that because that was awesome we, we were we were grinning ear to ear 
by, by the time that phone hung up. I think we said goodbye like what three times. Right? Goodbye, give goodbye, or take. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> You're awesome. Hey, man. Thank you so much, Willa. And you know the the word keeps coming up, and I think you said it to me was everybody we bring in just genuine, real, cool, comfortable. Right. Yes, yes, that's what it that's what it originally is. You know. <clears throat> And I just want you to know, it's funny getting him to to do that. The beginning, the bumper, the bumper was fantastic. I think it was three tries, five, five. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. It was funny. As though. soon as I made the rock innuendo, though. Oh yeah, that dude. Oh, he's like, bang! <laughs> I oh, got it. Oh, I got you guys. <laughs> I got you guys. So, um, heading back to baseball, um, having the insights that you know, obviously he brought us, and you know, some of the questions that he brought up as far as what. He was going to end up doing. Mm. I mean, um, did you did you personally see the World Series going any differently? Especially, you know, like I said, asking the questions that we did and then hearing, you know, because because he, he has a a certain feel about the game, obviously that we will never understand. It, it boils and, down to four words: been there, done that. Exactly, exactly. So to hear him, you know, obviously going with his points of view and stuff like that, did it change? Your look on how it went, or did you kind of like somewhat, somewhat? When he had brought up that, um, you know, the decision to pull Matt Harvey when they did in Game that Five, was, that was huge. And, and I was, was wondering the same. That thing. was a full-on Terry Collins move. And as a manager, you have to make the move that's best for the team. I found it funny, and I, I saw your eye crinkle just a little bit when he brought up Grady Little. Yes, because yep. Grady's job yes. in the 2003 playoffs, your job is to go out there and get Pedro out of that game. I don't care what. I'm the manager. You're the pitcher. Yes. If I go out there and say, Mike, your day's done. Give me the ball. We'll get this for you. Your job is to go, okay. Yeah, exactly. Don't say, no, or, I'll get it. I'll, I'll or, stay. Or, or you know what? You could, you could even be like, come on, man. Dude, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. you you got to give it to me. And then the guy's nope, got to we'll, be like, nope, no, we'll dude. We'll get this out for listen, you. Listen, listen. We got it. We yep. got it. Let's get this win. This is a team thing. It's not a you thing. That's it. It's you know not the saying? Boston Martinez's. It's yes. the Boston Red Sox. Yes, yes, exactly. And when he brought that analogy up, I just, my whole mind was yeah, exactly. blown. Exactly. Terry Collins had to make the best decision he thought was right. And it, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Hindsight being what it is. Could Harvey have mopped up that mess? Not sure, but we'll never find out. Yeah. But like Jim said, they don't call him the Dark Knight for nothing. He's a gamer. He's he's just one of those pit bulls that goes out there, and he wants to win every time. I watched him in game one. I watched him in game five. Every strikeout, every close of the inning, he, his fists are clenching, and he's growling. He wants it so yeah, bad. Yeah, and absolutely. being that he's a local boy, my heart was in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to win. There's just that. And it was only a year apart. 85 was the Royals. 86 was the Mets. They both have this equal distance off by one year. Yeah. But they haven't won the big one. So to have those two was really historic. It was, it was a really cool But you have, again, somebody puts a gun to your head and says, pick a winner. I would have said Kansas City. They won. Congratulations. My girlfriend's daughter loves the Royals. So good for her, too. No, absolutely. But, uh, one of our one of our buddies, mutual buddies on Facebook, Gwen. Gwen. Gwen Decker. Huge freaking KC fan. So we got to give it to you guys. I couldn't, I couldn't I give mean, it to you. Unfortunately my... for our Mets fans listening, I mean, you guys called it. You did say. Michelle Sadowski yeah, was exactly. the only one that in the beginning of the season said, You'll see the Mets in the World Series. No, nope, absolutely, and 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 I think they're gonna they got a taste of it and they're going back. I, I think I think Jim's absolutely right, man. Question I for think. you, and I I wish I'd have brought this up to Jim Laritz was, can you see a rematch next year? 
Could you see Kansas City and the Mets being? I, I right do back? see the Mets going right back. I do. Okay. I I don't see Kansas City. How can you discount the world champions from going back and getting a chance to defend? It's really hard to mm-hmm. be a two timer. It's back to back. Really, it's hard enough to make it twice and win <laughs> one. Yeah, it's it's really hard. I'm gonna tell you right now. The, do you remember how long it's been since the last repeat champions? Probably 15 years. Yeah, the Yankees were. The I was, last I was gonna say it's you guys. It's yep. you. It's gotta be you guys. And I'm not. I'm a, not blowing. I'm not blowing up the horn no, for but, the Yankees. But it is. Here, but it's, it's that hard. It is. It's it's nearly mm-hmm. impossible. The Red Sox it's, win it in 04 and shit the bed the next year. Then they go back in 07, 07. shit the bed the next year, and, and then come it was back uh, in 2013, shit the bed the next year. <laughs> it's like the Giants once, right now. The Giants do, are the class of the field because they keep going back and. They had a chance this year. Injuries hurt them real bad. They did. Had they not get injured, I think we see a different team playing Kansas City. I mm-hmm. think we just saw a repeat. I th- yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. And I'm not just saying a repeat for the Giants winning. I'm saying a repeat of the two teams that just I faced see, each other I the year see, before. Like I said, I do see the Mets going. Mm-hmm. I do definitely see the Mets going. I think it's going to be a different. And I think, if I'm right, and I'm going to look this up, and if one of you guys can challenge me on this, please do. But I think the last time two teams played back-to-back World Series against each other was Yankees and Dodgers, 77-78. Probably, yeah. That was that would be a long yeah, time ago. it doesn't be. happen. Yeah, exactly. Just, you're right. It just doesn't <laughs> happen because there's so many variables. And we can sit on our soapbox all day and, you know, Yankees this and Red Sox this and Cowboys this and fucking Lakers this. It's it's about showing it. And it's like you said, the variables, the injuries. The that's Cel- the, that's Cel- the only team oh, that has Lord. shown it. The oh, Celtics yeah. are the only team that held up their middle finger for eight years mm-hmm. straight. And even going back to it was uh, 2008 they won the whole thing or yeah. 2009 and they went right back the next year. And tried to prove it again. They fell a little short. No big deal, but they did it. They mm-hmm. proved it. Kansas City's that team now. The Mets might be that team next year. I think the Mets. I think the Mets got a really strong taste of it this year, mm-hmm. and I think they really want it. But um, and they're not going to be the Buffalo Bills who go in four straight and lose four straight. <laughs> Boy, I love, love losing, losing Super, Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> so. I got to ask your opinion for something. Sure. I mean, it just seems like we're going all over the place for sports anyway. Why so not? Let's, let's do it, right? Let's prove my girlfriend let's, right. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Number one, okay. I got to put it out here, and then you can answer both of them afterwards. Sure. Um, not really a true sports question, but for our true WWE fans, Seth Rollins wow. got injured in Europe. Mm-hmm. How hard does that how fucking hurt the WWE? How hard does it hurt the WWE? I think right less now. than we think. Um, they do have a great back roll of guys. Oh, God, yeah. That they got some hungry motherfuckers that want that belt. But I saw a blurb, and I want to say it was on, oh, God, what website was it on? ESPN, I believe it was. And ESPN, how, how they're reporting wrestling now. Is that I know. strange? I know. No, because Madden. The, the, mm, I think it's mm, the coach. Madden slipped it in, dude. Yeah. Madden, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, McMahon slipped it yeah. in. He was like, yeah, what's Well, they also have Jonathan Coachman. They have Todd Grisham. All these guys oh, yeah. came through. Yeah. So they yeah. have a connection. When you see the list of guys who are out either injured or doing other projects, right now you have no Rollins, no Orton, no Cena. There's another big name on that list yeah. that's out. That's why I was now saying to time, have to lose to lose. Go back Rollins. in time. You had at one time no Rock, no Austin. There was that opening that brought the Triple H's and the Mankinds mm-hmm. and all these guys to the top, and they could show they, that they could do it. And what choice did you have at the time? Go back to Bret Hart. At the time, you had no Hogan, 
no flair, no this guy, no that guy. It was up to the, the I want to say, upper middle, B pluses to move on to be the A. I think it hurts Rollins more because he had momentum. Yes, yes. And it, it was a discussion. How, how far do you think they were going to let him go? Oh, I mean, I, I think he's he going to be out for a little bit. Man. I think he could have made he's, it all the way to WrestleMania in April. He's, he's going to be out for a little and bit. And I, he, he might hey, be back for WrestleMania. Have, have, I've been he keeping up on the product. Might be, he might be six back. Six to eight it. months. It's November now. So November, December, January, February, March, April. That's six months. They said six to eight, depending on how fast he heals. People do it. People have done it. What, how? But why do you want to, why do you want to risk it? This opens is my a, thing. This opens the door for two things for Seth Rollins. One, he comes back stronger fit it's an acl mcl yeah so hey look at look at the people that did it oh yeah um uh old old patriots player uh used to get banged around in uh denver is he still there welker yeah weckler yeah weckler weckler (laughs) thanks mayor menino he had a uh he had both uh adrian peterson yeah and these are guys that really count on those you know so it's not on a running game but um dan marino they, yes, exactly. Well, he, first game, first game back, he throws 440 that, yards. That was, his, that was his right. That was his push-off right? foot. Exactly. Yep. So, I mean, that's a tender spot to even tear on a freaking quarterback. Think mm-hmm. about that. Oh shit, yeah, you know, it, it, the injury is going to open up two doors for Seth Rollins. One is for that big primetime return, Come whether back. it's at WrestleMania, right. Monday Night Raw, whatever. Do, two, do you give it to Orton? Do you do that little revenge thing on Orton? Maybe because they 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 wrestle good. Maybe they they, they, they do they do good, good things together. Um, it opens the door also for him to come back, and the crowd is glad to have him back, and that's going to turn him around. And he's going to be the next John Cena babyface, in my opinion. Right. The next ten year. I think he's going to go babyface. I do. I do. Nice, nice. I, I, do, I really think that this injury, the people are going to miss what he brings to the table. So when he comes back, they're like, "Yay, Seth Rollins!" Oh, third door it could also do. They're, he could pull a Jericho. They're glad to have him back. And what does he do? He slaps around the biggest baby face in the business. He's just as hated as when he walked out. And he proves I can do this. Exactly. I can make you hate me, honky tonk style. I can make you hate me yet love me. He's that guy. Yeah. I, oh wow! Because um, I had a listener text me today, a good friend of mine, Drew DeCarlos from Philadelphia, saying he was listening to the Hall of Fame episode, and we're, you're right on this point, and you're right on this point, and. He's still listening. I said, wait till the end. Then give us your thoughts. We'll put them on the air. Um, Seth Rollins is one of those guys. Nobody watches and goes, oh, wow, I, I really like him a little bit more. They're like, why couldn't Roman Reigns kick when his he, ass? When he first got the belt, you know what's funny is when he first got the belt, it was like when J.J. Watt got picked up by the Texans, and they were like, oh, fuck you. Oh, that's so stupid. Who the fuck? Yeah, what are you saying yeah, now? What, yeah. What do you, how many? He's got, like, what, the best-selling jersey for the Texans? When, One of when, the top five in all When of they gave it to Rollins, I said the same thing. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? It changed so, the game. Somebody saw it. Mm-hmm. Somebody saw something in him, and, and I'll give it to him because I definitely didn't fucking see it. So that's good call, man. Good Thank call. You. What was your second question? My second question, and this is, this is one of your personal favorites. Okay. Um, Matt Kenseth. Oh, wow. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you personally think right. about that? Because, cause I'm going to tell you like, like, first of all, for those of, for those of you that aren't NASCAR fans, go ahead, give them a little right. step-by-step. So la- last couple weeks, Kenseth and Joey Logano, another hometown boy who mm-hmm. he can kiss my ass <laughs> are scrapping in Charlotte. Kenseth's leading the race. Logano ends up winning the race. I was there. They got in a little tussle, whatever. It didn't, 
it wasn't until later that Matt Kenseth had an issue and it brought him to the back of the field. Logano wins. They go to Kansas. They're running for the top spot. They're door banging, door banging, door banging, and Logano has enough and dumps Kenseth. So here we are in Martinsville. Everybody knows payback is going to happen. I think Kenseth was running third at one time. Logano's leading the field to green after a caution. Kenseth gets dumped by Logano's teammate, Brad Keselowski. Just yes. turns him. Busts up the front of the car. He gets back out there with no hood. He's multiple laps down. They file up for a restart. And they run a couple laps, and Logano passes Kenseth. He doesn't clear him. He does not clear him for the turndown. If you watch, I know people are going to say Kenseth did it on purpose. I know people are going to say Joey Logano deserved it. Look, watch the replay. Logano cuts down before he's clear of the car. Kenseth has already complained on the radio, and I have on this little phone. My girlfriend will tell you I have the NASCAR app. Oh, so yeah. I listen to yeah. the scanners. Yeah. Yep. The radio guys are talking, and they say, I can't turn the car. I'm going to have to bring this in soon. So Logano goes to clear on the right side. Kenseth cannot turn. Logano eats wall. He's toast. My problem with this whole thing is, before they, I get into the suspension and the appeal and all that bullshit, why is Tom Logano, Joey's father, acting as some sort of spokesman for his boy? This is his career. Would your yeah. father go down to the job and yell at somebody for doing you wrong? I'd God, say no. God, I hope not. Exactly. God, I hope not. I got mad respect for anybody who straps you're, himself. You're going to listen, Dad. Yeah, please don't stay ever. Away, please stay, away, stay Dad, please. fucking away from my job. <laughs> I give mad respect to anyone who is brave enough, ballsy enough, and crazy enough to strap themselves into one of those cars, Hell male yeah. or female, and go at breakneck speeds that some of us can't even imagine driving at. Mm-hmm. You know, this coming week at Texas, they're going to be topping 180 miles an hour going down that backstretch. Yeah. And then you have to bring it down to a buck ten to turn so after all this happens they call kenseth his crew chief and his owner to the hauler they, they call it uh the principal's office in nascar yeah, yeah. call him to the nascar hauler they levy a suspension suspended two races you're parked you can't get in the car and probation till the end of the year which doesn't make any sense to me because the end of the year they say is december 31st last race is in three weeks yeah why not just let it be kenseth appeals there's no here's here's the thing that I get that Kenseth gets right and Jack Roush's owner gets right also. There's no video evidence that he turned into Logano. Yes, they have cameras everywhere. Just like with the Harvick thing two weeks ago, they say Harvick wrecked the field to get to the next round of the chase. Harvick couldn't get that car over 40 miles an hour. He's trying to get out of the way. Here comes this young upstart Trevor Bain, being a jackass. Instead of waiting for Harvick to move, he goes around on the right. Harvick is just trying to get up to the wall because he knows his car doesn't have the juice. I'm just going to drive this car until they black flag me and pull me in. What happens? Bain turns. Harvick doesn't. 12 cars get wrecked. Harvick sneaks in. Yep. And I had people just, how can you root for such a guy? I'm like, there, there's no proof. The in-car camera doesn't show Harvick turn to the right listen, to wreck Bain. Listen, I really hate to break y'all's heart. But Dale Earnhardt was called the Intimidator for a fucking reason. I said the because same thing. Because he would wreck a motherfucker. He has been known to wreck a and motherfucker. And then go on television and say it. <laughs> yeah, I turned I, him. I told that boy. I, the boy I'm learned, gonna, right? I'm going to rattle his cage. He learned. He ain't ever going to come around me. The, the point I'm trying to make here is a couple years ago, NASCAR got soft. It was like watching Everything. the Powderpuff Girls. Everything. And I think it was Robin Pemberton, who was the head of competition i think they call it at nascar said boys have at it settle your shit on the track don't get into these fights in the garage don't take your war to twitter 
Yeah. Settle it yeah. on the track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what they've been doing. Why is Kenseth any different than Harvick, Wallace, Earnhardt, Petty, Kowicki, Harry Gant? Why is this different? Because I'll tell you why. This is my personal opinion. Because we're in a new generation. Not only that, because Tom Logano is in there crying the blues to anyone who will listen. Dude, and the only way to shut him up. Who else did it? Who else did it? Fucking Mannings. Archie Manning. Archie Manning. I don't want my son to be on the Chargers. Dude, come on, man. That's just... Stay out of your fucking son's life. For real. For real. Who was the last guy to do that and he ended up with a shit career? Ryan Leaf. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God, dude. Take what you get and yeah. make something out of it. And, and, because And shut your damn mouth. You can be a guy... Like, just going back to NASCAR real quick, and I'm going to get to what the suspension in a second... You can have a guy like Martin Truex Jr. who came up through New Jersey, raced local here, got in some shit equipment and made something out of it. He gets picked up by a big-name team. He does great. He's in the championship chase now, and he's on a one-car, low-level team. So you know it's not the equipment making it happen. It's the guy in the car. Yes, yes. It's a great quote from um, Days of Thunder. I thought a stock car was a stock car. There's nothing stock about a stock car. So you're saying I don't have to be worried about being beat by other cars. No. You have to be worried about being beat by other drivers. Yes, exactly. It's that simple. That's, that's how it should be. That's what a stock car exactly. is. Now, I think the suspension is bullshit. I don't think Good, they, I, I, agree. I, I don't think I agree. they deserve I don't think Kenseth deserves to be parked for two races. He's already out of the championship chase. The punishment's there. Yeah. He's already out. He's been one of the top five cars all year. Logano, Kenseth, Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, as much as I hate to say it, but he's out too. And, uh, oh, Christ, who's the other one that's had a really uh, rocket under his ass all year? Fucked if I can remember. But he's been one of the top five cars all year. Why, he's already got his punishment. He's out of the championship. Why are you parking him? I'm, I posted something on my personal Facebook page yesterday. I'll share it on the uh, show page so you guys can see a little spoof on the new NASCAR rules. Yeah. I think you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> I think I will, too. All right. So do you have anything for us? So um, I have uh, the new top ten. Oh, before we go into the top ten list, sure. I, I am actually in the mix. I am, I've, I, I've dabbled in the author. Yes. Uh-oh. Yes. Yes, sir. In, in lieu of Mr. Eddie Focus's book, mm -hmm. which is now available on paperback, if you guys saw, if you get it on paperback, I believe it's five ninety nine, and you can get the Amazon version of it, the Kindle version, for only two dollars. Yep. So for seven ninety nine, you can get both of them. It's gen, general uh, gen, general population. Thank you. I'm like no general Malevin, yeah. malevolent prisoners. I'm like book I, one general. I just can't fucking. It's like as soon as I get ready for population, my tongue is like population population. <laughs> but anyways, I have dabbled in the arts, Ooh. if you will. I will be. Writing a small play that we will be performing here. Every episode will be about three minutes long. And it'll probably last, I oh, don't know, maybe, what are we thinking? Maybe six episodes, maybe, for Give the entirety. Um, essentially, the story is of a wrestler's last match of his career. It'll be acted and portrayed by myself and Chris, and perhaps maybe we'll have another in-house in guest <laughs> do some voices. But uh, we uh, it's something I want to throw into the show, something that I've been kind of dying to do. So I just started actually writing out the, um, the play, if you will. 
And uh, I, I really, uh, if you guys think it's a really cool idea, leave the comments. We're going to do it anyways because it's going to be funny. I hope, gonna- <laughs> I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> it might be horrible, but you know what? It's going to be good. It'll be like it's a bad be- NBC oh, yeah. sitcom. We get you're going to be able to use so many. You're going to be like the sound machine. It's going to be oh, awesome. Oh, I got it's the sound machine. So, I like so anyways. What's up, the fuck say? Ding, 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 ding. General population. That's what the fox says. <laughs> Fuck the fox. All right. So in lieu of football, okay. I, I have my top ten list. I, could, I was dabbling. Don't say it. There don't, was, don't say it. No, there was two, I was, there was two ways I was going to go. Okay. I was going to say things that Jim might have heard in Boston as a Yankees. Okay. As a Yankee and do it in a Boston accent. Oh God! And I got a couple good ones, but I think I think this one I think this one's gonna be a little so bit. So without more further fun. ado, it's the final countdown. The final countdown. So what do you have for us this week, Loki, my friend? So with with a quarterback named Colin Sackerpick. Oh God! And Vernon Davis getting one phone call and going from two to five to seven and zero. Oh, <laughs> tell me that's not a happy motherfucker right there. I think I think I think Vernon Davis is thrilled with that decision. I think the folks in San Francisco have basically pulled a cowboy and they've given up. Hands so, are in the air. So because because uh, Colin is on the ground more times than uh, the local pound puppy, <laughs> I have top ten easier things. Than the San Francisco offensive line. This is going to be good. This is this is so you guys. There's there's easier things than your offensive line, so you have something to smile about. Okay, you ready? Oh my lord! We talked about this one earlier. Number ten, making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh yeah, that's way easier than that offensive line. My, we do it every episode. Number nine, open a beer, man. Yeah, I mean, like that. How how easy is that? Challenge accepted. Right? (laughs) Number eight. And and kids do this. Come on. Kids do this. Coloring. Yeah. Fucking A, dude. You can you can color all day fucking long. That's that's that is easier than the San Francisco offensive line. Being a Patriots fan right now. (laughs) Pretty easy, right? It, t- it took us almost an hour to make a Patriots joke. I'm pretty proud. <laughs> That's good, right? That's good. That's number seven. Number six, being Lil Wayne's dentist. <laughs> pretty fucking easy, right? Because you got to be being Lil Wayne's jeweler now. That's a little time-consuming. That's a little time-consuming. But being his dentist, nah, that motherfucker doesn't see oh, him Lord, ever. Lord. Number five, because we heard about this shit two years ago. This is a shout-out for all my nerds out there. The wait for Star Wars, The Force Awakens, is a lot yep. easier now than it was it at the beginning is. of the year. It all right? Is. We're almost there. We are almost there. Number four, and this goes another shout out to all my boys. Getting a blowjob, man. Easy. How, how easy is that? Is head beer. Yep. <laughs> beer in hand is optional. Ooh. Sometimes, dare I say it, controller in hand. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. That might be distracting. If I'm trying to pound off an NHL season while I'm getting a Hummer. Number three. Yeah, this one's my personal favorite. Making a Jack and Coke. I mean, God. Ice, half Jack, half Coke. Done. Done, done. Done. Number two, and this is a shout out to you and our boy Jim. 
the 99 Braves. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy, Sweet. man. Sweet. <laughs> that was Sweet. easy. <laughs> and the number one top 10 easier thing than the San Francisco offensive line, breathing. Thank God you <laughs> Nice. Wow. That's a shout-out to Colin Sackerpick and his oh, offensive line. You guys How bad are... is it? How bad is it? I, I mean, <laughs> oh, you've, you've probably seen the pictures. And I know a few 49er fans, and they are really diehard loyals. Bill Bingham. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Rich Bonsall, I'll give it to them. I definitely got to give um, it to them. A couple others. Diehards, and they're out there, and they're cheering, and they're you know they want their team to do better. Right now, being a Forty Nine er fan is like being a Falcon fan or a Viking fan back in the day, where we lost everything. Heart Dude, and mind still in it. Three three years ago, mm-hmm. did you see the picture of the guys in uh, Seattle wearing their jerseys and flexing and doing this? And right underneath the sleeve, you see the San Francisco Forty Nine ers tattoo. <laughs> yeah, you're not jumping off the boat. God, you you went. Not even that. You went into the division. Mm-hmm. That's like me leaving the Vikings and being a Packers yeah. fan. Dude, I'm going to shoot I'm, I'm, I'm going to start wearing Carolina me. blue tomorrow. If I start, Yeah, if I start wearing green and yellow, my God. No, I'm not going to lie. Turn that shit red. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I once had a pretty fantastic jersey collection, which I sold off on eBay years ago. I had a jersey from every NFL team. The day my daughter was born, I was wearing a Kerry Collins Panthers jersey. Not because I'm a Panthers fan. Fuck, I got a Falcons tattoo. I'm black and red till I'm cold and dead. But I had the jerseys. I'd wear the jerseys, yada, yada, yada. I didn't switch. You catch me out somewhere cheering and going, yay, look at me. I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. What's that tattoo on your leg? Nothing. No, I'm sorry. This jackass is all over the internet now. You know, number one fan hat and the Russell Wilson jersey and flexing his muscles. And there you see it, the 49ers tattoo. You are the world's biggest jackass. You are a douchebag, sir. You are just that. I'm a Giants fan. Didn't you like the Cowboys when I met you? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Fucking jerk. Fucking asshole. (laughs) All right, guys. So uh, we hope that you enjoy today's episode. Like we always say, make sure you leave those reviews, please. Because we want to give away Sully the Scully, mm-hmm. man. He got he to gotta get a home. We're getting those autographs all set up for you guys. This is going to be a fantastic bottle. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now. It's going to be we awesome. We got the Super Bowl giveaway. We got the Dunkin' Donuts gift card giveaway. And we just gave you 35 minutes of a great interview. Thank you once again to two-time World Series champion Jim Laritz. We had Two a great time. Two-time World Series champion. And future guest. Mm-hmm. Well, once I'm and future looping, guests. Looping, looping. Gonna loop it over. I'm a fuck sure, I'll come back. I'll, sure, no, I'll come back. I'll song sure, I'll come back. I'll songify that shit. <laughs> sure, I'll come back. Has Eddie do his magic. Sure, sure, I'll come back. Sure, I'll come back. Sure, I'll come back. Not picking on you, Ed. Just uh, showing your uh, genius with the computer music. I know. We're going to be all over that. So, guys, make sure you leave those comments. Make sure you share with your peoples. For the people that bought the shirts, enjoy them. My shirt will be here on the 20th. I, I just got actually, the email yesterday. I'm going to tell you right now because I just obviously learned a little something about that that setup. Um, I will be uh, getting another campaign nice. going. And I think uh, we're going to be doing a little different design oh. now that I know where to go with this thing. So. If you did not get a chance to get this one, I don't know why. 
It's you had sad that you didn't. It's yeah. sad that you didn't. The, this was a one of a kind. We're not going to go back idea. to that. Why don't we give a little more heads up? Say, hey, in two weeks we're starting this campaign. Yeah. pump it, pump that's, it, pump it. Here it is. That's what that's what I'm going to end up doing this time. So, um, if you guys did, if you did get them, thank you very much. Number one, enjoy them. That's going to be uh, a one-time design only. Just to let you guys know that that is not that's exclusive only one time. We are not sticking with that Ooh. or anything. That is just. I'm going to have an exclusive. Yes. Oh no, there yeah. is. That's what I told people. This is <laughs> this is exclusive merchandise. We are not going back to this style. This is a one-time deal only. So Easiest you guys, way. To, seriously, guys. But other than reviews, <laughs> other than the Facebook page, this is the best way. Not only to show your support, but to get the word out. And you're wearing your Loki and Jabroni t-shirt to the grocery. Loki and Jabroni, what's that? And I will be, uh, wow. uh, since I'll be taking some traveling around today, I will be dropping by the uh, local Vita print. And I'm going to be getting some uh, bumper stickers nice. and some little shit like that. Fantastic. So uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll have that shit available to everybody. So, guys, we, uh, we appreciate you guys sharing us, liking us, loving us. Uh, leave those reviews. Make sure you pound people to uh, let them reviews out there too. If you love us, pimp us. We don't mind. Not at all. We we don't mind one bit. We you know one one back rub deserves another. <laughs> <laughs> With the controller in one hand and a beer in the other. Wait, I'm sharing yeah, too much. One, yeah, that that you got to have like a stand over here or something. You know what I'm saying? Gosh, that visual is going to stick with me, and I love it. Hey, baby, I'm playing some hockey. Okay. Yeah, that, like that'll happen. All right. Good luck with that. Let me know what that does. All right, guys. So have a great. Wait, wait. Before you go, before you go. If I yell score, does it mean I scored a goal or I finished a job? Are you on live? No. See, that's 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 what you'll find out. Ah. A, but do you say score or goal? Goal. It's a, I'm <laughs> playing hockey. Goal! I'll do it like the Spanish soccer guy. <laughs> well, it, it also depends on the fade. So if you're like goal, then you then you know exactly. If you're like goal, whoa! But Chris, ah. Chris, you didn't score. Not on the game. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me of that old joke. It reminds me of the old joke. Tip of the hat to my Canadian family real quick. Do you know why Canadians do it doggy style? So they, oh, can, so they can both watch NASCAR? They can both watch the hockey game. Oh, the hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rednecks one. <laughs> All right, guys. Enjoy your Saturday. Hopefully it's not a uh, nasty one because, like I said, it's Friday. It's looking pretty nasty right now. So um, we'll be seeing you guys next week. We're going to have the uh, special guest. Eric will be on here. He is a 3D printer creator. He is also coming out with his uh, own board game, and he's going to give us an insight of how this uh, the new 3D technology is working. I mean, people are fucking growing legs, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's it really is freaking amazing what they're doing with this oh, shit. Oh, absolutely. So, and the um, stuff looks great. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll we'll have his uh, web we'll have his web page on that and everything. But we will be seeing him next week, guys. Make sure you leave those reviews so you can get these goodies. Make sure you leave that private message because we're halfway through the season, guys. You got to get that up there. It's easier not- now more than ever oh, to God, pick up a potential hell yeah, Super Bowl it is. It's really easy. We got to give the shout out for the guy that did it freaking week one. Anybody who picks the Cowboys will be automatically disqualified. I think they'd be funny. <laughs> Living on the edge. <laughs> I like to live dangerously. The Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Ban. Delete. Grab the hammer. We got work to do. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys next week on the Loki and Jabroni Show. Take care, guys. Yeah, yeah.